Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 274. In this episode, we talk about enterprise functionality, email open rates in Apple Mail, and sales pipeline partitioning, plus much, much more. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales service marketing and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well, Ian. Looking forward to a bumper show. And you know what? I thought we would just let listeners know that we've got so much stuff in this show that it would go on for probably an hour. So we're going to touch on the topics and then there's full details on the show notes. So we can get through it in under half an hour. But if there's something that you want more details on, make sure you check out our site or sign up for the show notes. All right, so let's start with our growth thought of the week and what does enterprise functionality look like? You know, we're going to touch on a few enterprise, HubSpot enterprise features in the show. And I thought, let's take a step back and at the risk of oversimplifying, what is enterprise functionality? So you might say, well, what is an enterprise? Well, it's probably headcount and revenue or probably indicators. But on the functionality side, what is that? that kind of separates an enterprise from a a smaller business. And as I said, as a risk of oversimplifying, there's three main areas. And I'm going to touch on them because they do correlate with HubSpot's feature set. The first is security. The second is flexibility. And then the third is accountability. Now, security is very important that in enterprise, the functionality is easy to apply at scale because enterprise, we're talking about scalability. So essentially what you want to do with those three areas is remove bottlenecks to scaling. You want to allow scalability. So security, for example, roles and teams are a key way to roll out security. The problem is if it's a bottleneck or it's hard to do, it's got friction. As we know, the human condition looks for shortcuts And so security lapses. So that's why enterprise functionality is very important so that security is maintained. Flexibility is important, especially across geographic regions. You often see processes and even just assets, how they worked, need to be flexible. And accountability is important because as businesses grow, so do budgets and revenue requirements. So getting attribution and reporting in place is very important. What I thought it's interesting that most of those do align with how HubSpot's tiers work. If we think about the main differences, say, between pro and enterprise hubs, there's probably, what, five main areas, would you say, Ian? Yep. Should we go through those? Correct. And the first one is permissions and partitioning. And so the first thing I would say to that is a lot of people get enterprise because of the single sign-on features that are available. The next is custom objects. The third one is calculated properties. So in professional, we usually only have five. In enterprise, it has 200. Additional attribute functionality. And finally, additional layout customization of contacts, deals, and tickets, which might be based on roles and permissions, et cetera. I think they're, they're right. And so permissions and partitioning, of course, is security. One little bugbear I have, we've mentioned this on the show before, is that single sign-on is an enterprise feature. I actually would love to see HubSpot say, oh, single sign-on, we're actually rolling that out even at the free tier because scalability is much easier when processes are habits. So if you've got single sign-in applied to your business when you were small, it just is so much easier to scale. So I'd love to see HubSpot be a leader there and kind of break out of the mold because every other single SaaS tool, single sign-on is an enterprise tier thing and it's just a shame. But for the other permission areas, 
roles, teams, all those kind of things. I think their uh, tier structure is very reasonable. And so that's, I think it's good. We're going to touch on some of those areas as we go on. All right, on to our quick shot of the week, Craig, and this is to do with Inbox SLA, and this features in beta and is rolling out. So, And full disclosure, we have not used this yet, but we wanted to highlight it to people. I think this is a step in the right direction for inboxes, right? Yeah, I think it's promising. We've got links in the show notes and also a screenshot from our portal. As Ian said, I'm only just starting setting this up, so yeah, I can't really report back on it. I think there's two sides to an inbox SLA. One is the speed of response, which I think is very important, especially for our business, which is kind of one of our differentiators. But the second is time to close. I actually think for most agencies and firms, that's less of a problem. Whereas if you're like an e-commerce store, maybe solving the problems is very reasonable in an hour or two. Hours sometimes for clients can be big, almost mini projects that come in as a ticket, so it's less important. But we'll report back on that. I think it's, I think it's very promising though. Correct. And users, please note that time to close is set by the tickets in that inbox or associated to that inbox and that contact. All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is email attribution and Apple's iOS changes. And we commented about this back in episode 249, where we mentioned about the changes in iOS. And I think progressively as people have been upgrading their devices, we're starting to see this take effect on email open rates for people using Apple Mail. And I guess we didn't realize whether it would increase or decrease open rates, right? And in this case, HubSpot has registered an email being opened, even though it's only been opened by Apple servers and hides the recipient. And you'll probably see this if you're using an iOS device as an example. Yeah, we've got a full breakdown on this in the show notes. And this is, by the way, this is one of these shots in the show where we're just going to touch on it, give you the the quick takeaways, but all the details in the show notes if you're interested. But it all comes down to HubSpot filtering technology. And as you mentioned, Ian, they first talked about this back in June, HubSpot that is, in June. And then September, there was an update on the community post. We've got all those. But even just this week, they're rolling out this new bot filtering and it's very much pattern matching. So to give you a simple example, if you send an email and it's instantly opened, that tends to indicate a bot. And in this case, that could be Apple's mail service opening it on your behalf to protect you from privacy, for privacy. So it registers it as an open. Now, last year when we were talking about it, it was like, oh, will we actually see email open rates increase potentially 100% for Apple Mail? Well, possibly, but no. What we're seeing now is HubSpot's bot filtering will say, look, that's a bot. We're actually going to exclude it. So you'll probably see email open rates go down to recipients who open in Apple Mail. More in the show notes on that and also how you can turn bot filtering on and off if you so desire. And another thing we want to highlight is image optimization settings. And this is a little reminder about image optimization and that it's available under that little detail button using the quality of images. And we've got a screenshot that says, you know, you want high if you want a better quality of image optimization. The default is done well. It's balanced for speed and quality. And then there's a low image optimization, which obviously has faster load time. So just be aware of that. And I think you'd use high for images with text, logos, very specific detailed items. Everything else should be probably default and low is mainly background images and hero shots. So there's a little example of things you can utilize within HubSpot. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. 
adding images into a contact timeline. And you you showed this to me and I was uh, very fascinated. So tell us more. I was actually doing a demo to a prospect last week and they're saying, oh, look in our CRM, what we want at the top of the contact record is a photo. And in fact, if it's a deal, a photo, they do installs of equipment on properties and they just want to put a photo actually of the install site at the top of the contact record and, and a deal. Like, oh, can we just show a, you know, a photo at the top? It's like, oh, hmm, let me think about that. Oh, yeah, you can. Notes. So on a contact record, you just go to notes. We've got some screenshots on this. You can upload an image and then you can put that note as make sure it's part of your timeline. It's on activity and then you can pin it to the top of your timeline. So I've got a full breakdown of that in the show notes and you can basically see the result. I've used you as an example in your contact record. There's a nice photo of you and right at the top of uh, your contact activity, anytime someone goes in, pinned at the top. And bonus, it actually works on the mobile app as well. You can pull up and see a photo. The question people will probably ask is, can you do the same with video? Answers, yes and no. Yes, you can as an attachment, but no, it's not embedded nicely so that, you know, just at the top of the timeline, you can click and view the video. It actually links off to it. But in terms of images, they just show nice and in line. It's, it's really handy. So little feature there and people ever have that kind of use case. All right. Now on to pipeline partitioning, Craig, and setting access to permissions for users on deal pipelines. And how this came up was I had someone ask me, I've got these sales team and they work on different pipelines, but I only want those sales guys to see the pipelines that they are working on. And this is where, I don't think a lot of people utilize this, but this is where larger companies more and more are wanting to have access to particular pipelines. And it's not in the usual, uh, let's call it in the access areas that we we often uh, see and manage access, but this is actually on the pipeline screen under the actions menu, you will actually see it says manage access and you can choose particular, it could be private to you, it could be available to everyone, or you can select particular users and teams to access that pipeline. Yeah, I think it's pretty handy. By the way, I think this pipeline's layout and settings is a bit of a mess. I think they'll improve it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. In a couple of months, they said, oh, we've we've updated the experience for managing pipelines in HubSpot. But if you're used to it, it's actually quite, I think it's actually okay now that I'm used to it. So, But yeah, managing access, a little bit of a sideline there. But yeah, adding users and teams for managing access, but then combined with permissions for the user, in the CRM section, such as team only or owner owned only viewing of deals and things, combination of those two, so access to pipelines and then user specific permissions will probably get you to 99% of what you're trying to do in achieving security on pipelines. This came up for us as a client as well. One of our clients they're like, oh, we've got some people, we just don't want them accidentally creating or editing deals in a particular, it was actually a tender RFP pipeline. So this is the way we'll manage it. All right. On to our next shot. It's a HubSpot sandbox. And listeners, you probably have not heard us talk about this at all, but this is something relatively new in enterprise. And what a sandbox does, and if you come from uh, technology land, you probably are aware of this if you've coded or done anything, but a sandbox account is a safe test environment that mimics the structure of your of your real life environment or production HubSpot account. And it's a great addition where 
And I love how simple HubSpot have made to actually spin up a sandbox account. And we've got a little screenshot there. Just It's basically a step-by-step process that takes you through, you know, what objects you want, what pipelines, what themes and templates, etc. And it will basically create and sync all of those items into your sandbox. And so an example of this was a customer we're working with on HubSpot Coaching, and they wanted to test a particular marketplace app and a connector to make sure it was working on the calling side. And so without disrupting the whole business, we said, okay, well, let's create a sandbox and let's test this feature out. So it just gave the ability for us to quickly test something before they end up rolling it out to production. So a great feature. And if you have enterprise, you can create one sandbox. And if you want to create more sandboxes, you've got to pay for each additional one. But the first one is there a part of enterprise. Okay, on to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. Creating companies from contact email domains. I think most listeners are probably aware of this setting that will automatically create and associate companies with contacts. So if you haven't put this on, go into your company's object settings and turn it on. Essentially what it does is if you create a contact, it looks at their email address and says, oh, the email domain, oh, I can tell that that's a company domain. I'll create a company automatically for you. Or if it's already there, I'll associate it with this contact. So very handy because then you can just go to your company and see all the associated contacts, things like that. So I think that this has been here forever, I'm pretty sure, a nice feature. However, we've had a few instances and one just recently where, oh, we imported contacts and the association wasn't happening. And we're like, oh, what's going on? That's weird. We've got this setting on. We gave it a couple of days. We thought, oh, maybe it's delayed. Anyway, we contacted HubSpot support. They were excellent, by the way. It's a classic fix for this. Oh, turn that setting off and turn it back on again. It's almost like have you turned your computer off and turned it back on again. And we did that. It pops up a little form when you do that. You turn it off, turn it back on. It says, do you want to retroactively create company records for existing contacts? You go, yes, and it fixes it all up for you and the associations. So why have we put it in the show? Well, if you didn't know about that setting, happy days because it's a great setting. Turn that on. In fact, very rare that we would ever tell anyone not to turn it on. I think it's a useful feature. But if you're not getting those associations, in fact, we're not sure why it didn't work for this particular client. It might have been something around the timing of when it was turned on versus the imports. We're not exactly sure, but this is the, the fix for it. Untick it and tick it back on. Click yes to retroactively create. So gotcha of the week, tip of the week right there. All right. And on to our next tip of the week, which is the Shopify attribution. Didn't I say at the start of the year, the word attribution is almost going to be in every show. I think Absolutely. attribution is like our theme for the year. Uh, I just wanted to touch on one today about a Shopify attribution tip. I know a lot of people use Shopify. They have connected it to HubSpot. One of my wife's sites, uh, we use Shopify as the checkout for it. We actually have a landing page that's a HubSpot landing page. So they come there from Facebook to a HubSpot landing page, and then that kicks them over to a Shopify checkout. So attribution has been frustratingly difficult for this. I've managed to get it mostly working now. And I just thought I'd share this with the listeners in case you've run into a similar problem. Now, there's two issues. One, the UTM tracking, say that comes from Facebook, comes to the landing page on HubSpot. But you need that to flow through to Shopify. The way do we do this is we actually decorate outbound links. We use Google Tag Manager to essentially copy whatever the incoming UTM parameters were and make sure it goes on any outgoing links. That's not the topic for this tip. And listeners, if you want to know more about that, just ping me and we'll go through that. 
what the tip is for today is though, once that goes through to Shopify, it's very hard to see that tagging from the Shopify end. In fact, I could never find it. Maybe I just wasn't looking in the right place. However, there's actually a field called landing site, which Shopify captures and then feeds back to HubSpot. So in the HubSpot deal that's created automatically from Shopify, there's actually this field. We've got this in the show notes in case I'm you're not following what I'm saying. It's hard to explain. But once you see this screenshot, you'll see, right, this landing site property includes all the UTM parameters that came through from Facebook to our landing page and then made it through to Shopify. So now we can take that, use it in branching, in workflows to assign basic attribution and ways that it's used and also use it in reports. So finally, I've got this attribution where I can actually use custom reports in HubSpot to go, oh, which campaigns from Facebook are working? I can also compare not only customers that actually finished the checkout, but those that went through to the cart and were an abandoned cart. So I can actually get a sense of which campaigns in Facebook are resulting in abandoned carts versus checkouts. Now, you might say, oh, but can't I tell that from Facebook? Doesn't its conversion tracking pixel work? Well, you'd hope so. The answer, Ian, no. Almost zero correlation between what Facebook was reporting to me as the campaigns and ad sets that were resulting in purchases and what I've now found from actually specifically tracking the UTM parameters. So there you go. Attribution, it's becoming harder and harder. No thanks to Apple blocking a lot of the tracking pixels, but here's one step forward to giving you more visibility. Now, Craig, can I ask you, that landing site, is that something you've got to do to set those parameters to get passed in Google Tag Manager? Yeah, so going back to that first part, we just have a Google Tag Manager script that says the incoming link to the HubSpot landing page had a bunch of UTM parameters. I'll just grab those UTM parameters and I'll make sure I append them to the outgoing links. Okay, perfect. All right, on to shot eight, deal and revenue attribution. More on attribution. And this, funnily enough, we found when we were talking to a customer that was actually had sales enterprise, marketing professional, and they were using CMS as well. And they said, I want to be able to tell the CMO uh, and the CRO about all the marketing efforts and how that's attributing to deals getting created. And so we went, we had a look at um, reporting in terms of attribution and we realized that deal create attribution and revenue attribution, you need to have marketing enterprise to actually have those reports show up. So that's a real key thing. What we have shown in the show notes is some two key areas that you'll see on a deal uh, within HubSpot where it talks about the deal create attribution. So you can look at the content and the interactions and you can look at the different attribution models and what that looks like. And then in terms of revenue attribution, again, the content interaction and the attribution models that you want to use. And this is, I think, on a monthly basis, is getting more and more sophisticated and better. So it's well worth looking at. Even if you're not using it fully, have it there and be aware of what is happening and what is leading to that deal creation, because that will help your marketing efforts. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. And it says, if you are going to achieve excellence in the big things, you develop the habit in the little matters. Excellence is not an exception. It's a prevailing attitude. And this is from Colin Powell, which many of you would know. 
And finally, we have our training of the week. And I thought this is actually really great because it's it's what they call marketing made easy with HubSpot Marketing Hub Enterprise. And two, there are kind of like five areas or five lessons that, as they say, but two areas that I wanted to highlight, even if you don't do the whole thing, but you did these two things could be very valuable. One was creating behavioral events in HubSpot. And the second one is measuring marketing success with revenue attribution reports, which we just discussed. And so they say it's made for marketers and marketing managers. And I'm actually really surprised, Craig. It says it only will take you under two hours to complete, right? Which I am actually super surprised about. So I think if you are a marketing manager or you're even in sales, I would be definitely be doing this as a precursor to understanding more about attribution and events that will help you with marketing. So under two hours, and if you speed them up, probably even less. That's right. I wonder whether it includes the, oh, there's no exam. It just says four quizzes. Mm. Generally, if you have a certification, there's a test at the end, which right. is about an hour or longer. So, But well worth doing, I think. All right. Any final words of wisdom, Craig? Shot 11 is follow us on the socials. We're actually starting to put a bit of love into our YouTube channel. So listeners... If you could go over and subscribe, I think we have, we've just ticked over a hundred subscribers, which I know is tiny. We're just getting started on this. So we're putting a little bit of love there. Join us there. And as we mentioned last episode, we're actually not pointing to our SoundCloud channel anymore. We're actually more pointing to YouTube because it's a better experience. Not only can you listen to all the podcast episodes audio only, but you can also see video versions of Ian and me chatting through the shows, complete, I think, with um, outtakes and gaffes as well, which get edited out of the audio-only version. Plus, we've got some mini shots and little off-the-cuff off the um, few-minute episode videos as well. So we're building that. It's going to be a focus this year. Please be an early subscriber on the YouTube channel. Fantastic. Well, until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.